Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another special National Cybersecurity Awareness Month episode of Talos Takes. Today, I am joined by Jason Schultz, Talos's foremost expert on spam and phishing and email. Thanks for coming on, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jonathan. Because of this month's topics as part of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, the particular week we'll be releasing this episode is on fighting the fish. So I want to be covering a, a the broad topic of, of spam to try to reach the widest audience possible. So to get things started, I just want to ask you about the trends that you've seen in spam and email over the past year. Obviously, COVID is going to be one of the major topics that folks have been focusing on, and, and you and I have recorded a previous Talos Takes episode talking about that alone. But what are some other things that scammers are using in their lures? Yeah, so phishing remains you know, one of the most popular ways that criminals obtain initial access to a network. Um, and I think this is because it's you know, basic you know, human nature to fall for convincing social engineering, right? Typically, fishers are after you know, credentials or other you know, sensitive data that they might be able to steal and leverage into further attacks. Uh, such as deploying ransomware or even theft of uh, data or, or valuables from the victims. You know, as you mentioned, we continue to see a bunch of spam and fish related to COVID-19. Uh, this is still a topic that's pretty popular. You know, lately, uh, facilities are reopening, uh, events are happening, but many of these events are, of course, requiring vaccinations or, or proof of a negative COVID test in order to be admitted. And so attackers in those incidences are preying really upon people's desire for more information about you know, what they need to do and how these events are actually going to be taking place. We also see quite a bit of financial fish. Uh, these never really go away, you know, messages from your bank, uh, messages regarding you know, unpaid invoices and so on. Uh, some of these emails that I've seen received for the purchase of some expensive hardware or software and rather than including links in the email, they actually had a phone number for you to call uh, tech support or their fraud department. So they're getting creative and even branching outside of the Internet and using the phone systems, again, because these things are rooted in convincing social engineering attempts from the attackers. We've also seen fish and, and spam that's targeted at users of a particular service. For example, uh, fishers may mimic, you know, cloud email login pages such as Office 365. There's a lot of businesses that use those, and and many users are accustomed to being forced to re-log in occasionally to access the resources that are sitting in the cloud, right? <clears throat> and so they may be presented with a login page and type in their credentials without even noticing that the location of that login page is not valid. Another example of fish targeted at users of a particular service. You know, online businesses such as those created through like Square or Shopify, we've seen them receiving emails from a customer, a purported customer, uh, who has noticed a charge on their bank statement that they don't recognize and claim that it's not valid. And here's a link to the, the statement from my bank, which shows the charge from your business, right? So again, another very convincing social engineering attempt. I want to know more about those campaigns that you mentioned where the attackers are listing a, a phone number and trying to get them to call it. But I'm curious to know what would happen if you were to call those numbers. Is there actually a human 
on the other end of that line ready to like take somebody's personal information down and that's like what their end game is there yeah typically there is a, a human on the other end of that line or it could be you know and this also happens with the you know there's phishing that goes out over sms or even you know who among us hasn't received that phone call uh, have you heard about you know your we, your car's extended warranty. Car's extended warranty, right? right? <laughs> uh, or uh, your social security number has been suspended, right? Uh, so they try to scare the victim, or or there's a case pending against you from the FBI or something, and and so here you need to call this number. Uh, typically, uh, some of those uh, you might actually have a computerized sort of front end uh, that's like a phone tree system. Where people can, you know, press one to be connected to our our team of experts, and so when you do finally click through or press the buttons on the phone to get through there, uh, you actually do eventually get to talk to a human. Many times, it's fairly obvious that you know you can hear the background noise. They're in some sort of a call center located somewhere. Many times, you know, it's the ones that I've uh, you know called and tried to see what the what the scam was many times these people speak you know pretty broken english to fall for one of these things you really you know have to jump through some hoops but mm-hmm. apparently you know if you're worried about being in legal jeopardy or your social security number there's a problem with my social security number maybe you're willing to click through and jump through those hoops and talk to these people the thing about spam is that our advice is almost always going to say the same uh, we always say that education is one of the most important parts of preventing phishing and, and scamming because it really just comes down to questioning everything that you're seeing and you know double checking where you're receiving the emails from and all those sorts of things. It's really around user education. Is there anything new on the technical side of things when it comes to detecting and blocking spam though that defenders may want to know about? Well, you know, as you mentioned, you know, phishing awareness training for users is is pretty key to to preventing this in the first place. Uh, you know, as phishing and spam uh, is rooted in social engineering, the best way to combat that is to have an educated user base who can spot these attacks when they're happening. Now, no matter how well trained you are, there may be something that's just really, really convincing and a lot of people are gonna fall for it. So as a as an administrator of a network, you should probably assume that some of your users' credentials are going to be compromised at some point. And so you need to be able to defend against that. I would say in my opinion, the best technology to pair with that would be something like two-factor authentication so that even if an attacker was successfully able to steal someone's credentials, they wouldn't be able to utilize those credentials because they wouldn't have that second factor, that uh, text message, that something like Duo, that where you can actually have a code that's presented to you that you then have to use to log in successfully. Having a, a, a plan like that to account for those times when you know your users, you know maybe they're they are really well trained, but some of these fishers are they're just really creative and some of the social engineering content is really compelling. And so, yes, as administrators, something like a multi-factor authentication that's layered on top of the user credentials is going to be key in preventing damage from these attacks. Lastly, the goal of the series that I'm doing for National Cybersecurity Awareness Month 
is to reach an audience who maybe usually doesn't listen to us or is familiar with the topics we're covering. I'm going to ask you to kind of distill spam and, and sniffing it out to its purest form. For example, I have a 77-year-old grandmother who uses email for everything. Like, she's not very good at texting or FaceTiming, but she loves to send emails. So for someone like that who is online quite a bit still, but really just doesn't have the same background in security that most folks who usually listen to this have, you know, what's the TLDR for, for someone like that, that hopefully somebody listening to the show can take and share with their loved ones, their friends and family members about avoiding this? I think ultimately, if you're dealing over email, you have to realize that the person who is sending the email is the one who's actually setting the, the details in the email, such as the subject line, such as the from header. Uh, and these things can all be spoofed. And, and someone may send you an email that's pretending to be, you know, your bank or some well-known shopping website. And you, you want to go visit that site rather than clicking on the links in the email, just set the email aside, open up your web browser and navigate directly to the site that you want to go to. So you get an email from your bank that says, hey, there's an issue. Instead of clicking on the link in that email, just open up your browser, go to your bank's website and log in. And if there is an issue, they will absolutely be telling you through their web interface that, yes, this is, this is something you need to resolve. So you can't assume that anti-spam systems are going to be perfect. Obviously, there's going to be spam that still gets through. And so in order to prevent yourself from falling for those spams, those phishing messages, always try to independently navigate to some of the resources that you might want to visit. All right, excellent. Well, thank you as always for your insight, Jason. I appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it as well. Thanks as always for coming on the show and enjoy the new fall weather that we're having. Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan. 